We talked earlier about the bat belonging to Nick Williams that now belongs to Bryce Harper that he used to hit that homer yesterday. Bryce has used it all night. And when you say that Bryce is particular about his bats, it's uh, it's an understatement. Oh my oh. goodness! <laughs> oh. Number two for Bryce Harper as a Philly. And he is not going to give up that Nick Williams bat ever. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's another new episode of Icy Takes. It's a new month. It's April Fool's Day as we record this right now. Jeff, did you get anybody with any pranks today? No, I didn't get any pranks. I had people trying to pull them all day. They weren't funny. They weren't cool. Um, what was in April Fool's Day joke was baseball season's finally here. We get to talk about real games now, which, I mean... Is this not what you and me have been waiting for since we've started this? Is that we have meaningful hockey and baseball to talk about now? They, they all coincide with each other, which is one of the most beautiful masterpieces you can put together. I, I don't even think Van Gogh has made anything prettier than this. I mean, as we recorded this, too, we were when you sent me a text today, when did, when did we want to record this? Um, for those listening, obviously, tomorrow when this drops, uh, mon- Monday afternoon, Dave texted me, and he goes, hey, what time do you think we're going to record today? And I, what was my answer? You tell the, you tell the audience what, our, what my answer was. You said 6 o'clock. I said 6 o'clock, Braves home opener at 7. We're doing a short show. And then you came back today and said, hey, we might have to do it after. I have some stuff going on. And as soon as you sent that, I go, deal. That, I have no problem with that as long as I'm in my seat by 7 o'clock to watch my team. Did you think for a second I was pulling an April Fool's on you? I did not know. I 100% bought in. Because that would have been beautiful had I was actually, if I had nothing to do. But, you know, stuff came up, so I had to I had to adjust the plan. But that, that would have been a great one. That would have been well played. I would have tipped my hat to you. I, I probably would have given you the opportunity to record our Skype video, and I would have just tipped my hat to you. And that could have been like a gift for the, for the Twitter and Facebook people out there. The, the the tip of the cap. Um, so before we get into the show, um, just want to go over something about how stupid it is with uh, April Fools. It really is. I've never I I've starting to realize that, and hearing people on the radio all day while working just made me realize even more how stupid of a holiday this is. So can we please end this? <laughs> just can we start yeah, the petition yeah. now? Yeah. So let me ask you this, and I kind of asked one of my friends this today because we both were like, oh, you know, we're both like really tired. And I I asked her straight up, I was like, is that because, you know, we're tired from work or are we just getting old and we can't do what we used to do when we were 22? And it's kind of like that same question with April Fool's. Do we not like it because we're getting older or is it really just that stupid? I've never really had much fun on April Fool's ever. Yeah, I've never really been a prank guy like you know i don't like to be bothered with stuff like that and you know i'm not going to bother other people with stuff like that to give them a reason to come back at me so i'm kind of with you let's start let's start a uh let's start a petition let's let's get rid of this thing all right you guys can help us out by signing the petition um if i if i feel frisky enough i'll make it tonight but i'll, I'll make sure to get it out on on the facebook or or twitter sometime this week if I don't get out tonight. But all right, yeah, just wanted to rant about that a little bit before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show 
And, you know, we have, like you said, Jeff, the, the playoffs are forming and hockey, but we're going to start with opening day, opening weekend, and just talk about the ridiculousness of the, the whole entire parody of what will ensue with the MLB this year. And you you had a you had a pretty good thing to talk about, so we're gonna get on that the 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 three hot teams and the three cold the three icy teams and and this is not a good icy. No, this is not a good icy. Uh, what do you want to go with? Do you want to go with the fast guys or the slow guys out of the gate? Let's go with the fast guys. It's hard to keep up with them. Okay, yeah, the fast guys. So I got three teams that um just looking at some of their numbers to uh, start the year. Uh, I go the three that took note for me were the Milwaukee Brewers, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Seattle Mariners. Um, the Philadelphia Phillies, obviously 3-0. and We don't need to talk about that. Let's keep it moving. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers, 4-1. Whoa, 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 hold on. Oh, Why can't we talk about the Phillies? Come we'll, on. We'll get there. We'll get there. I know everybody's just ready to jump down my throat. Send send me your hate tweets at jchrist51. Um, Plug it early. Also, I like it. Yeah, you like that. And you can follow me on Facebook uh, at Jeff Christ, I believe I am. I am. You can find me there too. Um, so yeah. So if you, if our audience wants to bury me on those, be more than more than willing to send me something. I'm probably gonna read it. Not gonna respond. But um, anyways, uh, so the Milwaukee Brewers, the Philadelphia Phillies, um, both had uh, pretty solid weekends. Um, the Brewers took two out of three from the St. Louis Cardinals, and I believe they lost today against the Cincinnati Reds, if I'm looking at this correctly. So that, that puts their record at four and one, but they came out of the gate quick. Um, you know, that, that offense is so deep. Um, but also running into St. Louis, that's another team that, uh, they didn't quite make the list, um, with the slow start in Milwaukee, but, I don't know if you saw Paul Goldschmidt's weekend too, but holy cow, that game he had Friday night where he had three runs <laughs> in one game, and hey. they were not cheap by any means. He was crushing the ball. It was, you you know, Milwaukee's been joked as as a little league ballpark, right? Right, yeah, but like these weren't like, oh, <laughs> they're just gonna get me over. Like he was burying these balls that were no doubters. But um. These are ultimately the two best teams in the NL Central. I, I think it'll come down to those. I think I had the Cardinals winning the division. I don't even think I have the Brewers making the playoffs from our show last week that I can barely remember. But the Brewers really put down a statement series early on, uh, losing Corey Knable with Tommy John surgery. And then Josh Hader on Sunday th- tossing an immaculate inning to end the series against the uh, Cardinals. I love uh, so. So I watched him on that immaculate inning on like MLB Network or whatever, and I mean it was so easy, and it was pretty much Josh Hadar going out to the Brewers and saying, "We do not need Craig Kimbrell. We are fine," <laughs> and like just shoving it right down the throats of the St. Louis Cardinals. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and it, it was, you know, when. When, like, Mariano Rivera would come in and it was like there was no chance, it was like there was no chance. There was no chance for anyone on the Cardinals that were coming up in that inning to touch the ball. And they truly didn't. They swung through everything. But So I think the the Brewers are really showing that it's not a joke with Christian Yelich. 
It really wasn't a joke with Josh Hader and that entire bullpen, even losing Corey Knable. And I still think they could even go out of their way and sign Craig Kimbrell if they wanted to, because Josh Hader really lives more for that setup role, kind of like Andrew Miller was. So Milwaukee can set themselves up as one of the best teams in the, in the major leagues if they make a, a push for, for Craigie Boy out there, your boy. But yeah, let's, let's kind of hold the brakes on that. <laughs> yeah, did you see the reports? I guess they're kind of bowing out of of the Craig Kimbrell sweepstakes. I mean, I don't, I don't blame them because you you know what you have with Josh Hader as a closer. And if, and if you get to him, you are – literally almost guaranteed to win same thing with Craig Kimbrell. So I don't know why you would need two of them, but you know, if, if the price drops, I'm sure they'll get back into it. Right. Right. So you mentioned also with hot, hot starts, the Seattle Mariners and oh, the Seattle Mariners. When I, when I looked at their start and I'm sure every, every fan of the Mariners, you know, you, you got rid of Robbie Cano. You're starting. You're thinking rebuild, rebuild, and on top of all that, you're getting the Boston Red Sox right out of the gate in your home barn. And I mean, they they won a couple games, and they were close games. I believe they were six five and like ten eight. So like, you know, they were close games down to the wire. That you know, maybe that gets that gets the uh, the. The hometown, maybe it gets them a little fired up and maybe they get on a run here. But um, I don't know if it's necessarily something for uh, down the road. But, you know, to get two wins like that against the uh, the World World Series champions, um, definitely a couple big wins for them. Yeah, and let's on Friday, the Red Sox took that game 7-6. to six, But the Mariners were able to take Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday – the Saturday game, Seattle won six to five, and then on Sunday, you mentioned the other score ten to eight, and it's just surprising to me because I can probably only name about five players on that Mariners team. One of them being Felix Hernandez, who, who's making his the home debut for the Seattle Mariners. So he'll he'll he's on the mound right now as we record this podcast because we're a little later. Than we wanted to be, but this is what we do for you guys. Um, but yeah, it just caught me by surprise that the Mariners are rolling right now with their two wins in Japan against the Oakland A's and just sticking it to Boston. It was just in- incredible, really. How much do you, do you credit that with Boston starting on the West Coast? So that might be a little bit of a tough, tough start that they maybe Boston just needs to get home. They're ready to to be. The, the I, old cliche of sleeping in their own beds before a game, get your routine going. Um, I, I, I don't like that because it's not their first road trip. It, it's, I mean, it technically is their first road trip, but I would rather get the West Coast out of the way early so you don't have to do it later on in the season because I think in the middle of the, let's just say June, I think that'll that really worsens your chances of uh, living up to what you've been doing on the East coast. If you can get all the, all the rust out in the West coast and you can, I believe set yourself up for success when you come back home or, um, whenever you are, you know, um, going anywhere else in the East, because I, I believe right now the, the Sox are down on the Oakland A's two nothing in the third. I think crush Davis hit a home run in that game. So Boston's still looking for uh, success in that West coast, but it's early on. So let's just, 
let's just throw out Boston. Um, they're going to be last in the division because of this start. How about it? <laughs> I mean, if you're willing to do it, I'm not. But if you if you want to go with it, um, I'm going to disagree with you on that, though. I I I kind of like the whole let's get your routine on on the uh, on your homestand early, and then when you go out on the road, that's when you can start getting your routine on the road, and um, not necessarily with the West coast happening in like June, but like if you get that in like the middle of May, I think that's like the ideal because you've been around the guys a little bit. Um, you know, you're getting your routines down and everything before, before games. So, um, I, I, I think that's a tough, that's a tough draw for them to be out on the West coast. And, um, I think that definitely is a factor. Um, but let's face it, like the, the Boston Red Sox aren't going to be a terrible team this year. They brought brought pretty much the same team back from their World Series team, and uh, and they're they're going to jump right back up the standings. And I want to, based off that, I think the the MLB could even do a better job of scheduling these games. Then, if you don't really want teams to go opposite coast right away. You can schedule these games a little bit better, in my opinion. But you know, uh, what do I know about scheduling these games, right? Right, but uh, it, like, like you said too. I mean, you have Boston, who's a Grapefruit League team, and their their uh, first series of the year is on the complete caddy corner of the country up in Seattle. What, like, why couldn't you put a Cactus League team up there that's just flying from Arizona to Seattle? Exactly. So I think it. You can have an East Coast team over there, but like you said, the Grapefruit League being in Florida and then flying straight over to Seattle, then you're going to Oakland, and then you're going back home. Boston was given a tough draw being the you know reigning World Series champs. You figured they'd be right away in Boston or at least next series right after Seattle. So Right, exactly. But, I mean, I, th- I believe the schedule comes out before the, the season ends, so it's kind of a damned if you do win the World Series or damned if you don't because you didn't. Right, exactly. All right, so we got those two teams, and let's talk about your favorite team over the weekend, the hottest team, and basically anyone's opinion. The Philadelphia Phillies, who, if I were to remember correctly, I think you said that the Braves were going to at least win the series, right? Yeah, I had high hopes for it. I had high hopes. I thought we'd take two out of three. High hopes by Panic at the Disco, or just high hopes in general? Just high hopes. Okay. All right, but that, you know, let's put your let's put your fandom aside from here. The Philadelphia Phillies looked sharp in that look, series. Look, look, I'm I'll give the Phillies their just due, 100. percent That is a scary lineup, scary lineup, and you knew it was going to be scary when the first at bat of the game, Julio Tehran falls behind Andrew McCutcheon 2-0, and he's got to throw a get me over fastball, and Kutch puts it four rows deep into left center. And I go, oh, no. And as soon as you hit that home run, I go, oh, no. What, like, this This lineup is so deep. It is, it, it's scary. It's scary. Like, Mikhail Franco, who's supposed to be, like, I wouldn't say he's, like, their stud prospect or someone they're absolutely waiting for to be outstanding. But, I mean, he's a solid, solid, you know, six, seven hitter. And he's batting eighth. And he's going to be hit. He, I think last year didn't he hit like 280 last year, and he's batting eighth. Yeah, like, are you I freaking can, kidding I, me? I can pull that up as you uh, wipe away the tears, but I know that I think they were talking on ESPN that the Phillies had 
averaged a 220 in that eight spot, which rightfully so, you're not expected to get 250 plus from that spot, um, uh, 250 plus from that eight spot. But I think that the Phillies are really setting themselves up for the, the most runs scored this season because of how they approach the off season. And I mean, don't get me started with the ESPN broadcast on Sunday because it was almost embarrassing how much that they were just rolling over the Phillies. But I will give um, their broadcast team credit towards the end of the end of, of uh, Sunday night's game. They were talking about um, how how much Philadelphia has embraced Bryce Harper coming in and the success that they had with that that three game series against the Braves. Um, the one thing that they did say though is. It's going to be interesting how the city of Philadelphia, who doesn't matter if it's the Eagles, the Flyers, the Phillies, or the 76ers, the expectations are always through the roof. And now that they have arguably the generational talent playing right field for them, what's it going to be like if Bryce Harper goes on a 10-game hit list streak? Or Bryce Hoskins doesn't perform up to expectations for an extended period of time, or the pitching staff isn't pulling their weight, or the well, hold on. It, it, it's going to be the same thing like you see with the Yankees and Giancarlo Stanton. They're going to boo the hell out of them whenever a man that's getting paid over $30 million a year, not this year, but in the future, doesn't do their job every day. And um, I hate even thinking about uh, the thought of Bryce Harper being booed by home fans, not because I honestly do love the guy, but I hate how fans go out of their way to attack because the players aren't living up to their expectations right away. Because you know what you're getting into with Giancarlo Stanton striking out four times a game, but you're going to get three home runs in the series and get 40 in the year, 200 strikeouts. You might get that with Bryce Harper, but you're going to get more uh, hits for average and maybe even a higher um, like on-base percentage and maybe even more RBI. So um, I understand how the... Philadelphia market works from the outside and how we view it as uh, Pittsburgh fans. But uh, a forewarning in, in the future, the Philly fans just need to shut the hell up if Bryce Harper gets off to a slow start or not off to a slow start, uh, hits that slump, if you will. Um, so I, I'm i glad you brought that up just to piss me off. But the fans need to get over the fact that if he goes on a 10-game hitless streak and if they're going to boom, they just need to shut the hell up. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, this is building up to be a tremendous rivalry between the Braves and the Phillies because oh, it sure. looks like the the way things are going in this division, which everybody's saying is probably a three-team race, I think by July it's going to become, become a two-team race between the Phillies and the Braves. This is going to be incredible. And, and I mean, apparently it got, it got going a little bit on uh, Sunday night, too, when uh, Bryce Harper hit that mammoth of a home run, which... My Boom. God, that was a blast. And a- like A-Rod was speechless. He had probably the call of the year, and it was the first Sunday night call. Um, but he's then not the even next- a lead guy. Yeah, he's, yeah he, he's, he just was like in awe of it. Like, he's never seen a home run that big. But meanwhile, A-Rod hit like 500 of those. Um, 600 plus. Yeah, 600 plus, whatever. Not a big deal. Um, but, oh, geez, I lost my train of thought here. Bryce Harper's the best player in baseball. Yeah, debatable. Um, <laughs> the 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 one thing that oh yeah I, I remember where I was going with this. Uh, talk much, Jeff. Um, 
after he hit that home run, Buddy Carlisle went to go throw a uh, two-seam fastball. He hits Rice Hoskins in the uh, in the shoulder, and he gets tossed right away. Did you see that on Sunday night? No, I watched early on. It was before the Bryce Harper home run, so I had missed that part. Yeah, so so Bryce hits a home run. Didn't really admire it that much. It wasn't, it wasn't anything, like, absurd. And then I guess the next pitch um, – Buddy Carlisle tried to throw a um, a uh, two seam fastball and he he didn't get on top of it enough and it sailed on him and it got it hit Hoskins high and um, umpire quickly comes out tosses him. Um, Brian McCann tried to plead a case that it got away from him. Um, there was no intent obviously or anything, but the umpire had to do what he had to do and um, so everybody's already starting to say you know you know is there a rivalry brewing here between the the Phillies and the Braves and all this stuff. Um, Brian Snicker obviously debunked it in his post-game press conference. So um, who knows? I think this is going to be a great rivalry for the next years to come with how young the Braves are and how much money the Phillies are seem like they're going to be spending here in the next couple of years. Uh, we're going to be traded to a great rivalry between those it, two teams. It could arguably be the Boston, New York of the NL. It could be, yeah. The, the The amount of talent that's between those two teams is ridiculous, and it's it's mostly young talent too, which uh, makes it more exciting. It's not um, a couple of teams going out just buying free agents. It's teams that had to go through a couple years of rebuilding and um, having to draft well and bringing in international free agents as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a great rivalry for years to come. Um, honorable mentions for teams that got off to a hot start. I just wanted to throw out the San Diego Padres starting the year three and one, um, going out and getting their boy, uh, Manny Machado, but you know, a win's a win's a win, but who would have thought that they only score 11 runs in the series and still get three out of four against the San Fran Giants. So I wanted to just throw the kudos to them and, the other team in the NL, and I have one team in the AO, I want to give give a shout-out to the New York Mets for really uh, giving it to the Nationals uh, pitching staff because Robinson Cano put the team on his back on that first day, and Jacob deGrom finally had a little run support in a game where he didn't give up a run. So it was just awesome to see that deGrom finally got uh, a credit for uh, a win there. So uh, would you agree with me those two teams get honorable mentions? Yeah, well, I'm going to – so we're, those were just your teams that had fast starts, correct? Uh, yeah, like off to the hot start, but they're not going to get the full breakdown. Right, right. Um, the, I, I'll agree with you on those. I'll, I'll, I do have somewhat of a icy take, I guess, if we're going to do an early prediction here. Okay. Um, the New York Mets, yes, they came out to a fast start. I still don't quite believe in that lineup yet. Um, I know Robbie Cano is, is off to a great start. Um, but my take with that team is if they're not in playoff contention, I am willing to bet Robbie Cano ends up across the street in the Bronx. Okay. All right. I, I like I, that. I, th- I think that's kind of like a, it, it, it's leading to him getting back into the Bronx. It's another, another bat. I know their middle infield is a little crowded, but you know, that's not a bad DH spot to have is to have Robbie Cano there. Well, and and Andujar, Andujar for the um, Yankees. You know, 
Mm-hmm. If if I don't know how to pronounce the name, I just kind of throw it out there. So yeah, Andrew just throw it out for, there. Yeah, Andrews are for the Yankees went on the ten day disabled list, so we'll see where in the future where that goes. I I'm telling you, man, the Mets are going to be in the mix for a while. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but Robbie Cano is going to stay there. Um, as much as I do like that prediction, he, he's going to stay a Met all year because they're going to be in the hunt. They're going to try to make some trades here at, around the trade deadline, but they're ultimately going to fall short because of the Phillies and the Braves. And I, I think eventually, eventually the Nationals. But one team in the AL I wanted to point out to a hot start before we get off to the the, the icy starts, the cold starts for the other teams. The Tampa Bay Rays took three out of four and t- got another one today. Uh, they took three out of four from the Houston Astros. So Tyler Glass now got his first win of the year. Austin Meadows got his first home run of the year. Former Buckos, if I may add, um, eight. You know, 18 runs in their first four games and getting wins, only allow ten, only allowing 10 to that Houston lineup, or less than 10, I believe, to that Houston lineup. You know, they only have nine runs scored. So, you know, Tampa Bay, I, I want to make sure that they're getting some love in this podcast as well. Yeah, one more AL East team for you, too. I saw this that was pretty incredible. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays, how about their pitching staff had a 24-inning scoreless streak? Until tonight when they give up four in the first inning. So um, they were a team that came out of the gate pretty quick. And um, they I think they lost 6-5 to Baltimore tonight. But uh, that was a fast start. That's a um, little bit. That's an honorable mention on my end. Um, Baltimore closing in on their win total in April. I believe they only had like, you know, 20 wins last year. They're already at three. So, you know, kudos to Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Who knows? I think they're going to be in the same boat as Seattle. That they're just kind of, they're a bunch of a bunch of guys not expected to do much. They're going to try and get everyone that they can, but they're going to scratch and claw for everyone. Baltimore will fall apart rapidly and very yeah. soon. I can't wait for it. All right, <laughs> so let's get off to the teams that got off to slow starts and save the worst for last because I rebel in the fact that this team looks god awful right now. So who are the the top three that? Um, that we think should be in this list. So the top three, uh, we talked about Atlanta, obviously with our rough weekend in Philadelphia playing against what arguably the fastest team coming out of the gate so far, the Philadelphia Phillies. We talked about the Boston Red Sox um, with their slow start starting on the West coast. Uh, My third one, um, I got to watch them tonight play my slow starting Atlanta Braves, the Chicago Cubs. My God, what happened to them? They like they, six look, errors tonight? Are you freaking kidding me? They, they were kicking off. it around like a T-ball team tonight. They look awful, and it just pleases the hell out of me right oh, now. Oh, I'm sure. So, like, I mean, I was in the wild card game when they played the played the Pirates in the wild card in 2015, and like those fans are obnoxious, and they deserve they deserve an effort like that. Like it was, it, Dave. I'm not kidding you. It was. It was almost embarrassing to see, like they, you know how they go to to break and they'll be like uh, five runs on two hits and there's six errors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It they Chip Carey said six errors and I go holy hell like you kidding me? Like this team won the World <laughs> Series two years ago and you know they're kicking the ball around now under Joe Madden who's on the last year of his five year deal. Like what is going on? Well, you know, omission. It was three years ago, 2016. That oh, they, my apologies. That, my apologies. Yeah, I just want to make sure that that's cleared up because I, I like to 
it adds another year to what will eventually be another hundred year curse, which I, I love because they'll probably win another one before the pirates at this rate. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, saving the, the Cubs for last beautiful because I would, I would talk amongst friends about uh, predictions, especially in the talking to other fans of, of the team, like the Chicago Cubs. And there was one person, you don't, you don't know this person, but I was talking to him. He's a Cubs fan. And I told him, you know, I think the Cubs have a, the potential to finish fourth in the division. He said, really? I'm like, this team does not look like anything like they used to. And it's mainly because of that bullpen. I mean, their starting pitching is still kind of there. You have John Lester and you have Kyle uh, Hendricks. But the bullpen looks god-awful. And I don't even know why they're not making a push at Craig Kimbrell right now. Because if Kimbrell's in, on that team, they might they probably come out of Texas with a winning record. I, yeah, their bullpen was not pretty, but I mean, like, how long are they going to hang on to Kyle Hendricks? Like, how long uh, is a guy like that going to – like, that's what I mean. Like, a guy like that, can he really survive in baseball nowadays? I mean, he, he, he's shown that he has the flashes of having a low ERA. Like, he's okay, not going to do what... it all year. He's not going to do it all year, but he, right, he but, has but the my, flashes my is, to go is, through like, a month of having a, a less than two ERA, but there's the other side of he's probably going to give up five runs a game in a month. Right, but the, the it seems like the only nights that he has like like a quality night's work where he goes eight innings is against the Pirates that don't come in with a game plan against them. They just free swing. Like tonight, like if you watch the Braves at bats tonight, you could tell like they were, you know, you, you got to pick a zone. When the ball's in that zone, you have to attack it. You can't be waiting because all he's going to do is try and nitpick his way around the corners and try and paint you. I I don't know. I just don't like. I just don't see how a guy who's who's topping out at eighty six nowadays in in the era of the live arm, where if you're not hitting ninety five and up, you're you're kind of done. Like you can't afford to to not be hitting at least ninety anymore. I mean, he's. He's uh, 28 or 29, and he's had two years. The first year, he only had 13 starts, so you can kind of give that one an asterisk. But he's had two years where he was below three on the ERA, and one of those years being the World Series here, 2016, where he had a 2.13 ERA. He had 303 and 344, so he's kind of going on the uppity up right now. But he's getting more... Um, he had the, the most innings pitched last year with 199. So he's a dude that can get out there and give you innings. And, you know, you're not really going to win that many games if your team's committing six errors. So I don't think Kyle Hendricks is really a problem in Chicago. I just think it's their bullpen and their defense, and I love it. Yeah, and um, what do you do? How long are they going to be able to keep Kyle Schwarber on, on the bench there, too? I mean, I, I don't understand. I just, like, I, I, I don't get it. Maybe, I think another, another icy take, this one's going to be, this one's going to be a, a, a hard prediction. Oh, he's full of them tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Madden's done in Chicago. Oh, oh I'm 100% on board There's with There's no that. way he gets an extension, I don't think. I'm 100% Unless they have a severe turnaround where they make a run again this year. And I mean, I, I think it's World Series or you're you're out of here. Like I don't I don't understand the concept with the team that they have and how they have not won multiple titles because 
There are only, and if I'm, I'm doing just the memory from my head here, I believe that there are only four teams since 1997 that have won multiple titles. Do you know? How many of them can you name? That have won multiple titles? Yes. Red Sox, Yankees. This or isn't five like teams. that. Five teams, yeah, because the Yankees. Okay, Yankees, Red Sox, Cardinals. Yep. There was just a there was just a dynasty recently. Come oh, on, boy. we talked about it at Slippery Rock. Oh no. The even um, number of years. Oh, the Giants. The yep, Giants. And, and I don't expect you to get this one though. The Marlins. Those are the oh, only. Oh yeah. Teams. How about that? That is a tricky one. There with the Marlins. Right. The years they the they just team. went all in. Yeah. No. They they went all in. Those are the only teams to win multiple titles. Uh, since 1997, this roster that they that they had, at least let's just say pre 2018, was set up to win multiple titles, and it's fell apart at this point. And I think Joe Madden just got them out of the gate, and you know their their management couldn't really hold it together for what they had in there. Um, I don't really like Albert Almora Jr. that much. He's a great defensive guy, but that's really all I see from him. Um, he doesn't really provide with the bat. Anthony Rizzo is, I believe, is on the decline. He's still a great first baseman, but um, like I said, on the decline. Chris Bryant is basically the vocal point of that entire team. Um, and, you know, Wilson Contreras, great defensively, nothing on offense. And I like how I keep saying great defensively, even though there's a team that just committed six airs, the first team since the 2014 Mets did in one game there. So um, Joe Madden will be out. I, I was almost going to say in the middle of this year, but I'm, I'll, I'll agree with you and say that at the end of the MLB season when they don't make the playoffs and with a losing record. Do you think, Do you think too, that the Cubs might be tired of like the whole – and when I say the Cubs, I mean like their, their, manage, their front office management of the whole we're going to bat our pitcher eighth and our – so we can turn around the lineup and everything like – do you think they're sick of that too? And kind of like all the quirky little gimmicks. I, I've the quirky honestly, little gimmicks that Joe that come with Joe Madden. I've somewhat been a fan of that number eight batter for some reason. I just I think it just throws you know a, a curveball, if you will, to how you attack a lineup each inning. Now it can also set you up for disaster. And let's just say. The second inning, if you have runners on second and third and two outs and you have your pitcher coming up in the eighth spot instead of your usual number eight hitter, I mean, there's always going to be a backfire with the the tactics that you throw in there. Joe Maddon's the dude that would put five in the infield if he needed to preserve a run. So this is a man who has toyed around with the game and it has worked for him. And he did has at least one title on his ring. And, it's supposed, and it went in a place that should not have won a title. And I'm not saying because of the roster that they had. I'm just saying because of history and what is what has been done in Chicago. So I think it's the magic has fallen apart in Chicago. And I 100% agree with you. There will be no more Joe Madden in the NL Central after this season. And we're going to celebrate when that happens. I don't know how much celebrating we're going to do because if we know Theo Epstein, he'll be able to turn that roster right back around. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, just then... more, 
I'm just more happy that Joe Madden will be gone from the division. That's all. <laughs> yeah, plantar okay. fascia. Plantar fascia, my ass. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, do we have anything else baseball-wise here? I mean, one other team I thought I had. Oh, more. hold on, hold on. I, you know, I do have something here. We got to talk about your Pittsburgh Pirates here. I mean, what is there to talk about? Just how they arguably have a worse bullpen than the Chicago Cubs minus Felipe Vasquez. I mean, geez, what happened? He did blow a save today. Is that on him or the defense? Because from all from all the accounts I read today that the defense was piss poor at best. I mean, not whenever Vasquez was in there. I mean, maybe before that, but I, I saw Vasquez put a runner on base and I saw that he gave up one in the gap to tie the game up. So I don't know why the defense would be getting the, the shaft there when Vasquez is leaving these runners on uh, runners on base and creating extra base hits. Um, here's the thing. The one thing I do love about this team is the first three in their rotation with Jamison Tyon, Chris Archer, and Trevor Williams. Do you know how many runs those dudes have given up in their three starts? So what, like two or three? Two, two, two? two runs. So they lost five to three. They won five nothing, and they lost six to five. So of those eleven runs that they've given up, how much has the bullpen given up? Nine. Nine. And it's just frustrating that this team could easily, easily be three and zero because they had the the postponed game on Saturday. So they're sitting at one and two right now, and. Because you don't have a, a bullpen to back up um, your starters and to even get to Felipe Vasquez some games, it's just so frustrating to watch the team that broke the playoff curse, the winning record curse of 20 years, and had potential to keep creating a better team, kind of like the Chicago Cubs, but at least the Chicago Cubs got to the pinnacle. The Pirates just sat at a 2-1 lead in the NLDS and could not capitalize it against the St. Louis Cardinals. And it was just good enough for them to make the playoffs and uh, get more people in in the stadium each year. But it's now starting to show that you can't just sign minor league contracts to these major league players that one is hurt because that's what Lonnie Chisenhall does with his career. He gets hurt and likes to just sit ride that pine. Gregory Polanco is still coming back. So we have Pablo Reyes in right field right now. Um, you have Francisco Liriano, who I, f- I believe faced one batter and I think hit the batter too. I, I could be wrong there. But you have all these dudes that you are signing to these ridiculous contracts, uh, minus Gregory Polanco, because that was a couple years ago they ex- they extended him. But the Pirates could easily be 3-0 and if they had even an iota of a bullpen, but right now their their signs are showing early that this team is going to be set up for disaster for the rest of the season. Did I read today too? I, I and that was a beautiful rant, and I'm gonna I'm hoping to get you on another one. Did I read earlier today too that they announced that it was a sellout and yeah. like a quarter <laughs> quarter of the upper deck was empty? Well, here's the thing it. If you sell the ticket, it's a sellout. So if all the tickets were sold, you sold out the the stadium. But that doesn't mean everybody attends. But I, I 
I, I mean, I heard, I heard, however, that also that there was a there were still people walking up getting tickets before game time. Um, like with all that, I, other like, stuff, I, I'm I, not I sure. truly question, I truly question the the Pirates ticketing staff and and management that 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 was not a sellout. I I have no problem questioning that it was not a sellout. Well, this I'm afternoon. not. I mean, I, I don't blame you for questioning them, but I don't think the Pirates are the only team that goes about doing this. I right, mean, I'm sure right. my I'm sure Miami has announced a sellout in the past five years, and I can almost doubt that. Like in a, right. in any game, rather than just opening day. Right. No, I, I'm just saying that, like, you know, it, I mean, members of the media have been been calling calling them out this afternoon about about this. So, like. I, I don't know. It just comes off really shady. You're not, you know, you're not spending the money in the off season. Now you're fabricating what your attendance is for opening day. Um, it's just, I just think it's a really bad look for, for the pirates yet again. I mean, I really just look at it with a grain of salt because that, that kind of stuff has never bothered me, but it, it does, it is a problem. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But, me personally, it, it has never bothered me with how much they, how much of the attendance was that day, whether it was you know truthfully told or maybe fabricated a little bit or you know flat out lied about it and just really jacked up the number. That has never really mattered to me, but it it will show through the rest of the season and and it has since last year that people aren't going to the games like they have been. I mean, with my situation last year, I didn't have a chance to go to any games and I didn't go to any games last year. And it's not, and even if I did have the chance to go, it's not me taking a stance and saying that I don't support this team, so I'm not going to go. I still like to go to baseball games. I'm going to fulfill my needs. So I really could uh, give two craps what they, what they announced at the stadium. As long as I'm included in that statistic, I'm cool with watching the game and watching them probably blow a five nothing lead. <laughs> well, I mean, I I've said this for the last couple of years when when you start to see the regress. At one point, the Pirates almost won themselves back in into my fandom, and they almost were on the same level as the Atlanta Braves. And then you started seeing guys who they were being su- su- successful with get passed on and traded away. And it just showed again that this team, it just seems like winning is not a priority. And um, unfortunately, you're—I'm just like you. I like going down. I like seeing games, but it's—it's it's tougher and tougher for me to go down and say I'm going to go watch a pirate game to w- right. go watch an actual baseball game. I'm actually there to go just hang out with friends and um, you know go for the good time. It's not necessarily to go watch a baseball team. And I think that's. That's the problem a lot of people have is that um, when you go to a Steeler game, you're going to go to, you're going to go watch the Steelers. When you go to a Penguin game, you're there to go to watch the Penguins. You're not there for a bobblehead or um, you know a theme night or anything. The, the Penguins, Penguins have, have some this, pretty good theme nights. Yeah, like they they do the theme nights, but that's not why you're there. And it seems like the majority of the crowd that goes down to Pirate games aren't there to see the Pirates play baseball. They're there because their buddies are going or they're giving out a t-shirt or something. Um, those things are nice, but you know, don't as the Pirates, don't you want your people 
that are coming coming to your stadium to come watch your team play. That's the number one priority of why they're going there. It's not to get the free T-shirt or the fireworks or the post-game concert. I mean, I think everybody just wants to watch the television or listen to the radio because of Steve Blass's last year. So maybe we can give them credit for that for not attending the stadium. No, that, maybe that's the excuse this year. That they'll, they'll exactly. Toss out. It's the 60th year and the last year for the, the legend Steve Blass. Hey, pop quiz before we get into hockey talk. Who in the NL Central has the best run differential? Oh, geez. Um, I'm going to say the Milwaukee Brewers. It's wrong because it's the Pittsburgh Pirates at plus two. And they're dead last, aren't they? No, the Cubs are in dead last. The Pirates didn't have a chance to be in dead last because they didn't play Saturday. Yeah, true. I thought they played a doubleheader on Sunday, didn't they? No, 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 no. They they scheduled that for May 27th. Oh, okay. Okay, I misread the schedule. Yeah, so eh, it's okay. We all we all have those days. So, yeah. um, well, ton of baseball talking. Oh my God, did I enjoy that? Yeah. Oh, one more thing before we move on. I did want to talk about this. Um, so did you see Bryce Harper's new like thing that he does before games when he goes out to right field for home games? Not yet. So he like goes to he like runs out does like the Sammy Sosa run out to the outfield and he like takes a bow. To like the fans behind him or whatever, like maybe because it's Bryce Harper and he's like the new rival for my team. That is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because because he's maybe thanking the people for coming to watch him and picking the seat right behind him. Nah, just shut up. Throw your throw your warm up throws. Give the toss. Give the ball or whatever to some kid in the stands. Let's play baseball. Don't be doing the bow thing or whatever. That's stupid. God. I thought I thought maybe Bryce Harper had just did a storm surge in right field. Nah, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> All right, let's transition over because the old man is showing right now with Jeff, and you know the playoffs are starting to form in the NHL, and which gives us a lot more to talk about, and especially when the playoffs start because this is the last uh, week of regular season games, if I'm not mistaken, right? It is Saturday night is the last night of uh, regular season play. Um, and we we actually have a full division that has clinched, by the way. The Atlantic division has clinched. Um, all three spots have been clinched with the Toronto Maple Leafs clinching tonight. Uh, they are locked in a uh, first-round matchup with the Boston Bruins, which is the third year in a row that we will see this matchup. And... Um, we talked a little bit before we got on the air. Um, I don't. I just don't see how Toronto can beat the Boston Bruins the way they're set up right now. I, I just don't see it. I think we're going to see very much more of the same of Boston's going to beat the crap out of the Leafs. I think it's going to be a long series, but if history has shown us anything, referees don't call the game the way that it's called in the regular season. And Boston's going to be able to get away with a little extra, the extra shot, the the more physical play. And I just don't think the Leafs are going to be tough enough up front or on their back end. And I think the three games, three or two games that they win in that series, it's going to be because of Freddie Anderson and that. And that's about it. Well, who was the player last year that I think I believe got a suspension in the first round for the Leafs? Nazem yeah, yeah Codger for the, for a headshot. Yeah, but uh, I I think you know minus that, Condry's still a Leaf, isn't he? Yes. Yes, yeah. That's 
Um, my my knowledge is showing right now with the NHL, but the I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I think the Maple Leafs have a great shot at taking down the Bruins. I think the Bruins have hit their their high note in the season when they went on that I believe 19 game or 18 game point streak. You know, slowly catching up to the Lightning, who we'll get into them later at the time that they were catching up. But I think the Maple Leafs are set up, especially with John Johnny Tavares there. And that could be the missing piece to why the Maple Leafs have never been able to beat the Bruins in the last however many years that they have played them in the playoffs. So um, I think Freddie Anderson is the better goalie here of the two. And that'll be another reason why they why they move past the Bruins. Johnny Tavares and Austin Meadows will be able to lead the way with scoring. And I, I think the Matthews, defense. Bud. Matthews, uh-oh. we've moved on yeah. to hockey talk. Oh, my goodness. Like I said, knowledge is showing. And. I, the defense, and you can you can uh, slap the hell out of me for saying this. I don't think the defense for for Boston will be able to keep up with the offense of Toronto and the full seven game series. Yeah, I think that's going to be the the side the kind of the downfall on both sides. You have Zidane Char, who's um, in his forties now, um, but they still got the young talent on Boston's back end. Charlie McAvoy went to BU. I'll let that slide, but. Um, yeah, he's still a great young talent that, that's a good puck mover. Um, after that though, it kind of, it kind of mellows out. Um, Toronto's kind of the same way. You got Morgan Riley, their big puck mover. Um, the Toronto media whipping boy, Jake Gardner, he's a pretty good puck mover. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the, the thing that kind of decides the series is whose decor is able to, um, to withstand the offense because there's a lot of offense in the series. You got Pasternak, Bergeron, Marshawn for the Bruins. You got Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, Marner. There's so much talent in the series, but the Bruins just play that, that physical skip style. And if you get into a six game, seven game series, it takes your toll on you. And I, I just don't know if, if the Leafs are going to be able to stand up to it for a third year in a row. And as always, if you're listening to the show, and you want to drop us a comment, whether it's because uh, I'm right or Jeff's wrong, or even vice versa, because that does happen sometimes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Us... Why'd, why'd you put that you're right first and I'm wrong first? I mean, the, it's, uh, what do they say? It's it's marketing. It's it's the it's the way you show off the product, and uh, that's, okay. that's key. So, okay. The, okay. but yeah, so if I'm wrong or if Jeff's right... <laughs> Hey, how, um, can, how many goals does Austin Meadows on. have this year? Uh, Austin Meadows, he has yeah. zero, I believe. Okay. okay, all right. I was just checking. Yeah, uh, okay. you can drop us a comment on Facebook or Twitter um, and just call us out on our bullshit or um, even just tell us what you think as well and see if we're both wrong or both right and tell us why. So let's move on to the other series that's been – um, decided for the playoffs in the first round, Jeff. So we have the uh, San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, this is a rematch from last year's playoffs. Um, this is going to be an interesting one because those two teams played Saturday night, and it was a chippy affair. It was a chippy affair. It was very much like playoff hockey. It was fast, physical. Um, the Sharks came away with a victory, but... Uh, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Subban was in net for Vegas. It was not Mark Andre Fleury, so there's kind of an asterisk on that one. Um, this one's going to be exciting because both these teams, um, it's very similar to Boston and Toronto. You have Vegas that's um, 
that's a quick team. They're, they have a little bit more of an offensive style to them. And the Sharks do as well, but the Sharks have a little bit more size to them. Um, they got the back end with Eric Carlson, Brent Burns. Um, this should be an exciting one. Um, of course, the NHL has got to love it that the Vegas Golden Knights have made the the uh, playoffs for the second year in a row. Uh, two of two on the um, chances to make the playoffs in their, their short history. So um, this will be an interesting one. Um, right now, it looks like the, uh, the Sharks are set up to have home ice advantage in that series. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Vegas start the playoffs on the road for the first time um, in their in their uh, playoff run this year. Um, so, I, like I said, it's very similar to the Toronto-Boston series. Um, if I would have to pick right away, I would probably say San Jose comes away with the victory. I just think they're they're deep deeper and. I just like their back end too much. Their back end is, is too good. And you got a guy like Joe Thornton. Um, that locker room's going to rally around him because how many more shots of the cup is this guy going to have left? Well, it's going to be another uh, cupless year for Joe Thornton and the Sharks because the Golden Knights, I believe, will knock them out in the first round. I think I will agree. Um, and if you, I think you mentioned this earlier, but if not, you can agree with me here that the Sharks have a better blue line than the, the Golden Knights. But I think, obviously, the better goaltender with Marc-Andre Fleury. And I think you have more firepower, just like the, the Maple Leafs. Uh, I, I love um, offense in the in the NHL because that's really, in my opinion, how the Penguins thrived off those back-to-back cups was just speed and firepower on the offensive end and making sure that you're outskating your opponent so that they can't even get easy shots on when you're playing defense. So I think the Golden Knights, even though going on the road against the Sharks, early or not early um just to, to open a series isn't really gonna affect them too much i think the head coach jared jared gallant i don't even mm-hmm. know if i said it right yeah sure um, gallant you didn't yeah, have like the, the french side of it but you're the, close enough gerard but that's like uh, that's I, like leaving a putt about a, an inch short we'll just give that to you thank you but I, I think he is a, a well-rounded coach and the, going on the road against the sharks will not affect how the Golden Knights go about this series, and I think they'll they'll win it at home in six. Okay, all right, yeah, I I think it's going to be a long series as well, but uh, I think the Sharks are um, they have that that physical presence that I I don't think the the Knights have that's going to be um, as prolific throughout the whole lineup. The the Knights do have um, Ryan Reeves who can be a physical presence, but um, the Sharks have guys like Evander Kane. Brent Burns can throw the body a little bit, despite what Drew Doughty says, that he gets beat up and down the ice. Um, I, I just think that the, the Sharks are just going to be um, a little bit more problematic as a first-round matchup that the Knights haven't seen in a while. So um, I, I got San Jose in six games. And I want to look at some of the other teams that aren't uh, haven't clinched yet but still have a, a possibility is it more of a surprise that right now that the Coyotes are the are on the outside looking in, or is it more of a surprise that the Avalanche are right now inside looking out? I'm kind of shocked in the spot that the Colorado Avalanche were. Um, if you heard, heard earlier this year, this team was on cloud nine. The top line of Branson and McKinnon and Landis Gog were going running rough shot on the league, 
And then things kind of just came to a screeching halt. They ran into a couple injuries with Brandon and Landis Gog. And Nate McKinnon has just been um, an absolute tear for this team. He's put this team on his back. Um, some some of the the skills this kid displays is just unbelievable. The quickness with his hands, his feet, um, his decision-making has been world-class since he's been kind of almost on his own. Um so I'm kind of surprised that they're sitting at the second wild card spot. Um, I think this is tough for ho- for some hockey people because you see a market like Arizona, it it looks like they got something brewing down there that can be built built around and making that a hockey market. But after watching Nate McKinnon last year in the playoffs, um, hopefully his line can get back together with Landeskog and Rantanen. And to see them in the playoffs, I, I, I don't know which team I'm rooting for to get in. I think it's a win-win either way for the NHL if uh, if either either one gets in. I I'm if I got to make a choice, I'm going to say Colorado. I want to see Nate McKinnon in the playoffs again. I mean, I think it would ultimately benefit any, the NHL better for the Avalanche to be in. But I really want to see the Coyotes in the playoffs. This is a team that has just been struggling at the bottom for years. Uh, I believe they have a general manager that's uh, your age running the team. And when you have Clayton Keller and uh, they have another young stud that's in, like 20 years old, right? Um, are you thinking of Oliver Ekman Larson? I think he's, in, I think he's around like 30 years old or so. Um, uh, but I mean, he's still a stud on the back end. Um, yeah, they're, 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 they're building around there and, and, like you said, that that franchise has definitely had some uh, some brighter times. They were they were a goal away from winning the um, Western Conference in 2013, but they lost to the um, to the LA Kings in controversial fashion. But uh, they've kind of rebuilt themselves. They got themselves in a conversation of making the playoffs. Um, I think it would be a good thing if if the playoffs do go to Arizona this year. I don't know how much of a fight they'll put up. But um, I, I think, think it, they'll get eliminated in what could be a four game, four games in a series. But just having a team that's been struggling like that be able to uh, come back to the playoffs, and you said the first time since 2013, um, it, it would just, I it would bring a, a smile to my face and possibly a tear to my eye. That, oh jeez, uh, you're getting that, emotional over this. I, I, you know, when you have ice in the desert, I believe it's a it's a miracle right there. So that's <laughs> that's why I get a it gets a little emotional for me. But um, also want to point out that the Calgary Flames have clinched their their conference. So the Western Conference will have to go through Canada and Calgary. And I really like this team. And oh, you know, I like this team too. I like and this team too. It, it, it's it's it, and I know it's because of your boy from BC, um, Johnny Hockey, Noah yeah. Hanovan, BC but, boys. Yeah, but um, so I think that's really the ultimate key why the Calgary Flames are in this position because they have all the BC boys. You know, um, plug 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 there for your school. But I'm looking around at the rest of the teams, and I think Calgary has no reason why they shouldn't be representing the West in the Stanley Cup. I think the I think the only team there actually let me scratch that. Two teams that I think they could knock off Calgary. Um if Vegas would get past San Jose, I think they 
San Jose, or uh, Vegas could knock off Calgary. Correct. And I think. I think Winnipeg could be definitely a team that can knock off Calgary because uh, Winnipeg is built a lot like kind of how San Jose is. They got a lot of skill, but they got a lot of size too. And I think that they could kind of push around the flames a little bit in a seven game series. I think last year the Jets really had a great shot at going to the Stanley Cup, but it just fell apart for them. What, the, the second round? Yeah, no, they they made it to the conference final, I believe. Oh. Oh, was it the Predators that the Knights beat in the second round then? I th- no, Winnipeg beat the beat the Predators in the second round. Okay, and then they so, lost right. to uh to the Knights in the uh conference and, final. Okay, yeah. So I mean they had, for I thought that team was spectacular and I think I even had that team going to the Stanley Cup with uh with a little uh, bracket predictions by us, but um you know, I I mean, I agree with the Jets, but, uh, you know, I think the Flames are just in, in a position where they cannot screw up, and they have the potential to bring the Stanley Cup back to Canada. The only thing that, that concerns me with Winnipeg is can they get consistent goal scoring up and down their lineup? Because and that was not a problem with them last year. It was, it was not, but you had a guy like Patrick Laine this year. I think he went, like, 19 games without scoring a goal this year. So, like, is he going to, is, when it comes to crunch time, is he going to be, is he going to be able to be there and score that big goal for that, for that team? Or are they, I mean, they're going to rely on, they're going to have to rely on a lot of other guys to, to, um, to put the puck in the net for him that, um, you know, they had such a quick, hot start and then it kind of flatlined a little bit once you, once we hit January and February, um, whether it's because they got too big of a too big of a lead and they sat back a little bit, but um, you know that's really my only concern with with Winnipeg is do they have enough goal scoring up and down their lineup? Let's go to the East before we wrap up the show uh, and just give kudos to the Tampa Bay Lightning for tying the most points in a single season by a team in the regular season, and they still have three more games to get one more point. They also become the third team in NHL history to get at least 60 wins in the regular season, first since the 96 Red Wings and also the 77 Canadians did it uh, in that year as well. Jeff, what do the Canadians and the Red Wings have in common with those years? They won the Stanley Cup those years. That is correct. So why should we not already crown the Tampa Bay Lightning? Because if we did that, why would why are we still talking about? No, it? I'm just I'm just saying. About, why would we you know, make predicting. predictions? I'm just saying about predicting for the for the for the cup run. I mean, Be, look, honestly, look. honestly, honestly, I think the worst the worst thing that can happen for Tampa Bay is that the Columbus Blue Jackets are the final final wild card team. They play them in the first round, and then they get the Boston Bruins in the second round. I think that is the worst road for the lightning to go because those two teams will absolutely beat the crap out of them. One thing I would, I really wish that we could do is look and see how the rosters were built for the teams that the Canadians and Red Wings had to go through and see what kind of road they had to the Stanley cup because you know, that, that was a joke earlier. You know, we still have nine minutes for April fools that, you know, we didn't have to crown the Tampa Bay lightning because they have 124 points in the regular season. I was just saying how stupid it was, and I was doing it just right there <laughs> earlier. But you know, I digress. the The Eastern Conference 
has a little more strength overall than the Western Conference. So I do agree with you that the Lightning have a potential at a very tough start to the playoffs if the Blue Jackets make it as the last spot because, you know, soon the Canadians will um, – well, not not the Canadians, my, my apologies. I mean, it's a three-way rundown between the, the Blue Jackets at 94, the Hurricanes at 93, and the Canadians at 92 points overall. You know, um, they each have three games left to go. One of those teams has, has to fall down. And my Carolina Hurricanes, or their storm surges, I believe, will make it. And just the way they've been playing, the Blue Jackets are going to make it, but they're not going to face the the Tampa Bay Lightning first. They'll go up against the Washington Capitals, I believe. Yeah, like I said, I you know I was at the hockey game on on Sunday with uh, when Carolina was in town. Um, you know they they get a lot of shots on net. They they find ways to get get pucks to the right area, and um, I I don't know. Like it, it's so tough for me to say. As a as a Penguin fan, I want Columbus to play Tampa Bay for the reason that I gave earlier that they may not be they may not beat them on the scoreboard, but it, they might be able to play a long enough series um, to you know wear down Tampa Bay, and then when Tampa Bay would play Boston in the second round, um, that's a whole another five, six, seven game series where they're going to be taking another beating. Um, I just, I think it's it's definitely Carolina and Columbus that are going to be uh, one two in the wild cards. I I honestly, I'm going to say Carolina is going to be the uh, going to be playing the Washington Capitals in the first round. That's that'll be my prediction. Oh, okay. So you have the Blue Jackets playing the the Tampa Bay Lightning. It is yes. Okay. All right. But um, before we. Uh, wrap it up here soon i know we got we still got to do like a we're going to do like a condensed penguins recap from from jeff after this um nikita kucherov will he have more points than the tampa bay lightning he currently sits at 122 and his team has 124 points i'm gonna say he falls two points short i'm gonna say true he's gonna hit a surge in these next three games when they win two He's going to put up, uh, I'm trying to make sure I do the math correctly, he's going to have seven points in these last three games. Wow. Okay. It's, it's bold, but, you know. Bold? It's bold, but, you know, got to do it. Got to do it for the crowd. All right. So let's, All right. Let's, let's, let's swing it on over to the the, the condensed uh, Penguins recap from Jeff. Okay, so uh, the past week, the Penguins had three games. They played the New York Rangers, the Nashville Predators, and the uh, Carolina Hurricanes on Sunday. Uh, they went 2-1 and one in that stretch of games, uh, beating the Rangers 5-2, losing to Nashville 3-1, and beating Carolina 3-1. Um, despite all that happening and all the panic around the city, somehow the Penguins door for the division title for the Metropolitan Division is still alive. It's um it's very tight. Hanging by a thread. Hanging by a thread. But the Washington Capitals lost tonight and the New York Islanders lost tonight. And the Penguins are five points out of first place in the division and it's still possible they can win the division with three games left. Well and 
I think what's more important is that they have a chance at the number two seed to go over top of the Islanders because with a game in hand, the the Penguins can tie up the Islanders at 99 points apiece with their next win. And um, they play the Rangers. They And who are the other two teams that the Penguins play? Uh, the Red Wings. They have a home and home with the Red Wings this week. So, I mean, they're, they're set up to play teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. And the Penguins could easily easily win these next three games if they play to up to uh, the level that the Penguins can normally play at. If you want to put in the term, if the Penguins play their playoff hockey, they can end this on a three-game winning streak and get up to 103 points. Yeah, honestly, the, the way I've been looking at this team, if you look at their their month of March, they've actually had a very good March where they've won like three out of four in each in each week or in the stretches of games, it's like three out of four and then it's another three out of four and then another three out of four. Like they, they've actually played very well in the month of, month of March. Um, I, I, I just hope that they make it easy. You clinch on Tuesday and then whatever happens with your seating happens. I, I like the way this team's playing right now. They seem like they're getting into their playoff rhythm and I think this team can make a run. I, I, I truly do. Once you get healthy and you get you get Malkin and Latang back, the team becomes a whole new, different monster, um, especially with Latang's puck-moving ability and um, adding a ge- generational talent like Evgeny Malkin. Um, I think this team can m- definitely go on a run. And um, being pretty much locked in with the New York Islanders as your first-round matchup, um, that should be an exciting series. I think it would be a short five-game series, though. I'm going to disagree with you with that first-round matchup, and here's why. The Islanders uh, play the Panthers on Thursday, and I think that'll be an upset. And to end the season, um, I'm not sure who the Capitals play before this, but the Islanders and Capitals end their season against each other. So oh. the way I'm looking at this is that both the Capitals and the Islanders will lose their next game. So in the final game of the year, the Capitals will have 102 points and the Islanders will have 99 points. While the Penguins win three in a row and get up to 103, the Islanders will beat the Capitals in regulation. So the Capitals have 102, the Islanders have 101, and the Penguins have 103. So the Penguins will be playing the first wild card winner, which I think will be the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, you know, maybe that'll be worse for the Penguins going up against the Blue Jackets, but history has shown that the Penguins can get by towards his team in the playoffs uh, that he manages in the, the subpar state of Ohio. <laughs> it, that's a hell of a situation that you have there. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen for, uh, for that, for that scenario to happen. Um, I mean, each team has to lose their next game and the Islanders win in um, regulation. Against the yeah, Capitals, but that's still a lot. I mean, we're you're in the land of the three point game right now, where teams are just trying to collect points where they can get them. So that's the, that's kind of the tough part where you're you're looking and you're thinking, you know, five minutes left in the game, you know, we're not taking any chances. Let's just get our get our point. Whatever happens in overtime happens. Um, it, what, what was it? It's big ta- big days. Uh, fairy fairy tale world. What would we say? The Early on in our shows, Big Dave's yeah, Magical World and Big Dave's Perfect World, or something. Yes, like yes. That. So the 
this is what's going on in Big Day's perfect world, but I think it'll actually happen. So um, that's how I'm going to end my hockey talk. You got anything? Um, Nope, I think that's it. We covered the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Penguins Met- Metropolitan Championship door is still open. The Leafs clinched. We talked about Sharks and Golden Knights and the uh, Boston-Toronto uh, round three matchup for the playoffs. So I think we're good. All right, and like always, make sure to tell us if we are you no know, absolutely dead wrong with our predictions, and we might debate with you depending on how on how good it is. So um, once again, no bracketeering because we have our tournament challenge with March Madness, and Jeff, it is down to two people. Um, the oh. contest was that you had to beat both Jeff and mine uh, bracket and uh, get first place out of everybody who entered the tournament. It is down to two people. And the one bracket is Oregon is a disappointment. The owner is NWR1423. And I mean, Oregon's not really that much of a disappointment for us, the only double-digit seed team to make it to the uh, Sweet 16, which your boy over here predicted. And so it's between Oregon is a disappointment and my bracket, Big Dave. So, oh, there you go. So what happens if we win? Um, we win. So, I mean, the, the, the contest was to get, um, to get first place. So overall and win the, the gift card, but, um, depending on what happens, um, set up another prize that'll be discussed later on. We'll post about it on, on the Facebook. So if you are listening NWR, you better hope that Michigan state loses, um, because that is the only way that uh, my bracket can be the ultimate champ, if you will, of the icy takes challenge. <laughs> I just love how we like we literally turned like the, turned into like the kid from Big Daddy, or we're just like, yeah, I win. Wait, why do you win? Because I win. Because I win. <laughs> what's the name? What's the name of that game again? I win. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it, uh, I thought, you know, with my North Carolina team getting ousted by Auburn in the Sweet 16, I had no chance, but, um, but the only I champions, win. yeah, the, uh, but I win. The only two champions that were picked in this group were Duke and North Carolina. So, oh, uh, so Michigan State is my only shot of winning the tournament challenge. So, with that being said, Jeff, let's give our MVPs of the week. Okay, uh, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah, you go first. Yeah, you go first. Yeah, as you scramble for, oh, crap, oh, crap, who do I pick? Who do I pick? Um, so uh, I always love to keep it baseball, and I will keep it baseball. And it wasn't the man with the number three Phillies jersey that I'm going to give it to. It's the old man, the uh, the wonder boy, the, the dude who brought playoff baseball back to Pittsburgh, Andrew McCutcheon put on the show this past weekend as well. You know, forget about Bryce Harper, the best man in baseball. Let's give it up for Andrew McCutcheon, who had two dongers over the weekend, one of them being on Sunday Night Baseball. I love seeing this this shade of Andrew McCutcheon that has kind of faded away since the end of the 2015 season and how that season ended. We haven't seen Kutch be that ultimate 300-plus hitter like he was in his MVP season, and he's showing signs of that, and I love seeing it. That's not a bad one. We talked about our, um, 
off the air before we started recording that uh, that Andrew McCutcheon looked like 2013 Andrew McCutcheon when he was winning his MVPs, and um, he, he he you can just see his presence in the box. He looks like a guy who's confident, who's found his game uh, back to when he was winning his MVPs, his Silver Sluggers, and his Gold Gloves. Um, he looks like a whole new different person than when he left Pittsburgh um, back in back in 2016. So um, that's a very good one. It's a shot at my Braves. Don't like that, but um, but I I will give you that. As many shots as I can get at your team this year, I will take them. Uh, you can try, but you know I'm gonna have something to come back for it. I mean, what uh, my team might crack 70 wins. So like I said, I got to get all the shots, and I can. That's kind of a lofty goal, isn't it? I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. I bet they, I bet they lose hundred games. I don't think you'll hit seventy. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be a hundred losses, but seventy is a, a stretch as well. It's going to be in between sixty-three and hashtag nice. Oh, there you go. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to do my MVP. I'm going to be in the baseball department this time. Um, wow. Mine is going to Brian Snicker, the manager of the Atlanta Braves. Um, when I went into work this morning, um, obviously rattled by the three-game sweep the Philadelphia Phillies put on the Atlanta Braves, and I'm thinking, you know, we couldn't keep the ball in the yard. We had no offense. Is Was this a one, one-hit wonder with the Atlanta Braves? Is what's going on here? I'm panicking. I'm reading all this stuff online. And then I get to David O'Brien from The Athletic, who had Brian Snickers' comments after last night's game. And his comments were pretty much, um, I liked a lot of what I saw this weekend, um, basically hinting that he was, he was, he thought that the circumstances with the weather and, um, just a tough start that the team had. He liked some a lot of the stuff he saw and that we might have to make some tweaks, but overall he really liked what he saw over the weekend. And that just made me take a deep breath and say, okay, if the manager is okay with it and he he sees a positive coming out of this team, I'm I'm still I'm still on board. I'm not ready to, to jump off yet after three games. And I'm glad I didn't because we won eight nothing today and the the uh Chicago Cubs helped us out by making six errors. You made it seem like losing to the best team, arguably the best team in baseball, to a sweep to start the season was just the turning factor for this team on how they shouldn't make the playoffs. I, it was almost no, a... it was, but, but you saw the thing that was like discouraging was that um, if you remember how how they played against the Dodgers in the playoffs last year, there was a lot of walks. Um, the pitching staff couldn't find the strike zone. And then when we did, the ball went 500 feet. So like, that's, that's the concerning part is you're, you're walking a lot of guys and you know, you, it might start with a walk to the seventh place hitter, but then you're turning over the lineup and then you're getting into the heart of the orders with the McCutcheons, the Hoskins, the, the Harpers, the real Mutos, you get into those guys. They're starting to hit home runs. That's how games become 11, six and, you know, 10, three or whatever. So that was a concerning part where I was like, you know, maybe we have a bigger hole in our pitching staff than what, what we think. So that's where the concerning part was. But the reason that Brian Snicker is my MVP this week is because 
nothing's better than when you have a, a coach that can give a calming speech like that to the media. And it kind of just, it calms the media down. It calms the fan base down. And because from what I was reading, there was a lot of panic in Atlanta. There was a lot of panic on, on that, that, uh, that weekend in Philadelphia. The streets went wild in Atlanta with rage. They lost to the <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies in a three-game set, getting swept. It's hey, expectations are high in in Atlanta. Well, I'm I'm glad that Brian Snicker has the same calming around. Uh, I want to say aroma, but that's the incorrect word. The uh, aura of Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. So R E L A X, relax. Exactly, relax. Everything's gonna be okay. It's only week one. So just just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at icy takes at i c e y takes. You can also follow us or like us on Facebook as well. We like to put up some content on there and want to see uh, what you guys think of the content that we put up there. Plus, post anything uh, that you want and maybe even test uh, mine and Jeff's uh, knowledge of the sports that we that we cover because you know my knowledge was showing in NHL. So. Uh, you can kind of put me on ice there but you can also follow us on twitter at big underscore day 52 and you can follow me at jchrist underscore 51 christ spelled like our lord and savior amen because i haven't done that in a couple weeks we will be back next week and having a playoff show for the fans if i'm not mistaken right yeah, so what we're going to do is uh, by the time we, we record next week's show, uh, the whole NHL playoff bracket will go um, go out. And we were going to just do a uh, a uh, preview show of basically a, a pretty much a whole bracketeering, I guess we can call it. We'll do a little bit of baseball talk, but the, uh, the meat of this show is going to be a bracketeering pretty much of going through the NHL bracket and our predictions for the, the NHL playoffs. All right, so you heard it from Jeff there. We're, we're going to have a great show next week. Uh, we've covered baseball a lot, so we're going to get into the hockey side of things and get on the ice. So until then, stay icy, people. We're still it up, that ceiling in the kingdom. We had just made history.